My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the Lord be in my heart and on my lips, that I may fitly and worthily proclaim the Holy Gospel in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, uh, I'm going to be speaking primarily from the text from Romans chapter 1 that we heard read this morning. And my title is going to be St. Paul's Greeting as a Gospel-Centric Theological Abstract. But I was like, wow, I almost fell asleep just typing that. And some of you are already falling asleep. And it's kind of pretentious. So I simply titled my sermon this morning, Grace to You and Peace. Grace to You and Peace. But when I read this, I was reminded of, actually, of an abstract. So when you read a journal paper or somebody writes a thesis or something like that, oftentimes at the very beginning, there will be what is called an abstract. And what an abstract does is it lays out a general outline of what the thesis or paper will be about. Okay, um, sort of like a, a summary beforehand of everything the paper is going to talk about, the general um, shape of what the person writing it's going to be arguing, and um, sort of like a conclusion which summarizes everything, but then you have it at the beginning to kind of give people an idea of where everything is going to go as you, as you read it. And I, I feel like th- this excerpt from uh, Romans chapter 1 verses 1 through 7 sort of contains an abstract. I'm not saying it is an abstract, right? But it reminded me of an abstract when you read a paper or something like that. Because what we have here is a very brief summary, um, very concise summary, actually, of what God has done for everyone uh, through Jesus Christ. And then after Paul does that, he ends it with a blessing, which, which I think contains everything. He says to them, grace to you and So this text begins with Paul laying out his identity. I am a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Right? So this word servant of Jesus Christ would be the same as uh, the word that would mean slave or, or, or servant. Right? Those two words are essentially synonymous in the New Testament. Slave, servant. In other words, that he belongs to Jesus. That he belongs to Jesus. And if he belongs to Jesus, then we belong to Jesus as well. Because that's what redemption means. When we talk about the word redemption and salvation, it's being purchased back. And Christ has purchased us, Scripture tells us, with his very own blood. And, And Paul says he is also called to be an apostle. He was not one of the twelve, but he is recognized as an apostle by the twelve And we see this in the book of Acts. And he says, I have been set apart for the gospel of God. So to be set apart is to be sanctified. Right? As in the setting apart of the implements of worship in the temple or in the tabernacle. Right? Those items were washed and they were used ritually. In other words, he has been cleansed and tasked with the spread of the gospel. And he doesn't just leave it there. He calls it the gospel of God. So if it's the gospel of God, 
then that means that this is not his gospel. This is not a gospel that he just developed on his own. This isn't a gospel that he just was really bored one day and he kind of came up with on his own. and be like, ooh, all of that, wow, this will this, preach. I can make a good career on this, right? It's very popular in some, some uh, scholastic circles, right, to, to say that, you know, the, the, the apostles and, and stuff, they had the actual true, like, Christianity. And then Paul came along and then he totally changed the meaning away from what the original Christianity was and Paul was the great ruiner in the spread of this thing called Christianity but was something completely different from what Jesus and the apostles thought. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that. It's a bunch of garbage. Don't listen to that, right? This is God's gospel. This is not Paul making this up as he, going, as he goes along or, or, or setting up his own side church aside from the true church, right? This is God's gospel. And what Paul teaches has been, he, he didn't just come up with it on his own. He went to Jerusalem and he went to the 12 and he was like, hey, this is what I've been teaching. And they're like, yes, this is good. Keep going. So then the question is, the gospel of God, well then what is the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel, asking that question, you may think that the answer is kind of easy. But if you ask different people, what is the gospel? They will give you wildly different answers. So if you ask somebody, hey, what's the gospel? They might say, well, the gospel is love your neighbor. That's the gospel. Okay? Or you might ask somebody, well, what's the gospel? And they'll say, oh, the gospel is uh, be kind. Okay? Or they may say, well, what's the gospel? And then you might answer uh, penal substitutionary atonement, which is a particular view of Christ's atoning sacrifice that some people say is the gospel. Here's the thing. None of these things are the gospel, right? A certain type of, a certain type of substitutionary atonement, being kind, the golden rule, right? Be a good neighbor. That is not the gospel. I'll just say that again. The golden rule is not the gospel. A friend of mine, Father Andrew, he wrote a wonderful little book um, called Rise, O God. And he talks about the gospel. And he, he defines it in three ways. Who is Jesus Christ? What did Jesus Christ accomplish? And what does Jesus expect of us? I actually think that's pretty good. So what we're going to do is we're going to take what we heard read in Romans just now and we're going to talk about how that points us to those three things. Who's Jesus? What does he do? And what is uh, expected of us? And Paul says that this gospel of God, he says, was laid out beforehand in scripture. Right? He says in verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son who is descended from David according to the flesh. Right? So what St. Paul does is he says, okay, the gospel of God is something that God actually has told us that he was doing. He foretold it to us who were to come through the scriptures, right? So for Paul, the scriptures are going to be what we would call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. For us now, it would be the Old and the New Testaments together, right? He says that God's plan was promised and relayed to us through the prophets in the scriptures, I cannot, I don't know why, I haven't been focusing on this, but I keep coming back to this for the past few weeks. Have you noticed this? About how scripture, how important scripture is. I mean, that's kind of a dumb thing to say, right? Scripture is important. Well, duh, Michael, we're Christians, right? Of course, scripture is important. 
But there's this interesting move in the church right now that's been going on for a very long time to strip the scriptures of their authority, to strip the scriptures of their power, and to strip the scriptures of its ability to bind our consciences and to actually show us and tell us how we're supposed to live. And there's this been massive undermining of the scriptures. Not even now. It's not even something that was limited to our time, right? We see even this back in the days of the early church. There's an early heretic named Marcion who basically said, um, all, everything in the New Testament is garbage except for the writings of Paul. And even then, some of the writings of Paul aren't great. So we're going to reject some of those and we're just going to accept some of these. His name was Marcion and he was one of the early heretics of the church. And so they were like, no, that's not how it works, Marcion. And he created his own canon of scripture. And this is before there was any formal set in the church. And they had to come along and say, well, no, that's not right. You know, this, this, is, this is false. So this isn't a new problem, brothers and sisters. Stripping the scriptures of their authority, of their power, of, of the way that they are to bind our conscience and our, and our conduct. None of this is new. Anyway, he, so it's not just something that he's come up with himself. He's like, this was foretold to us in the scriptures. Because for us, the scriptures are authoritative. The scriptures are trustworthy. The scriptures are true. He says, answering those three questions, who's Jesus? What has he done? He goes, the gospel of Jesus was promised by God, right? We just read that in verse 2. Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, who was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ and then he says, to those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, okay, so here's the abstract I was talking about here, about what is the gospel is, right? The son descended from David, okay? Jesus is the son descended from David. And we sung that just a few moments ago when we sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. We called him, you know, the root of Jesse, right? From the line of David, right, through, through Joseph. And we heard the, the story from the Gospel of Luke there. Uh, Jesus' uh, father, Joseph, who's not his biological father, right? Because Jesus has no father because, you know, God is his father. He, but he is still, through Joseph, descended from the line of David. And then it says he's declared to be the son of God in power. Right? So we know Jesus' scope. We know his ministry. Right? I think it's, um, uh, was it John says, how Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Right? Jesus goes around saying, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. It's coming. It's close. Repent. And then the resurrection is the ultimate proof or demonstration of his being the son of God in power. As a result, he is our Lord. And it's the proof of him being the Son of God in power because as the sinless one, death has no power over him. As the one who, who, who's, who's human and divine, right? Satan, death, sin, and hell cannot hold him. He's the Son of God in power. As a result, he is then our Lord. And because of all of this, 
Paul then and his witnesses have received grace and apostleship to bring the gospel to the world. There's the thing, right? What does Jesus require of us? And what he required of Paul and the witnesses was to spread the gospel message to the world. And guess what, brothers and sisters? That's the same task that we have. That's what Jesus asks of us. Right? That's what he asks us to do. Is to be witnesses to his gospel. And I'm not saying now that after service, y'all have to go now and find like the busiest shopping center, right? I don't know. Go to the Lehigh Valley Mall and stand, you know, and, and, and Nancy can go stand outside Chipotle, you know, and, and Gina can, uh, you know, she can go stand outside Barnes & Noble, and Jeanette can go uh, stand outside the coffee shop, whatever, and then bring a, a, a soapbox, and then get a bullhorn, and say, everybody, repent, 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 ah, believe the gospel. I'm not saying that's... Because the apostles themselves don't even do that, right? They don't just stand and just start randomly like shouting, you know what I mean? Like when Paul goes to a place, he goes to a group of people, he starts talking to them, right? And then they're like, oh, this is interesting, let's hear more about this. And then they bring him to a big public place. And they're like, okay, now tell everybody. And then he's like, okay, and then he tells them. Right? It's our tasks, uh, task as those who have received the gospel of God to share that gospel with others. Because... There's power with that, right? The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And it's our task to share it with others. Who Jesus is, the Son of God, what he's done, his incarnation, his death, and his resurrection, and his promise to come again. And then the gospel then grants us what he says at the very end of this very short portion that we heard read this morning. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. St. John Chrysostom commenting on this section from Romans. He says simply about this sentence. Oh, address that bringeth countless blessings to us. Right? So that little short phrase. Hey, grace to you and peace. Even he is like, this is awesome. There are blessings beyond number that come just with us being told that. Right? That just being spoken to us, told to us, grace to you in peace. There's so much good that comes with that. And this is what we celebrate, brothers and sisters, every year during Advent and Christmas. The countless blessings that, that God has poured out on us. That God's promises were in fact true. That God's promises, uh, promises are in fact are still true. That God said that he, he fulfilled, he said what he was going to do, like we heard through the Old Testament prophets in the scriptures, and that what he will do, he will finish. That God did not leave this world in darkness. And sometimes when we look outside, it feels like it's really dark. And we don't know where to turn. We get confused. We don't know our left from our right sometimes. Because that's what the enemy does. The enemy sows confusion. The enemy sows confusion. To get us to focus on the confusion. Instead of focusing on Christ. But God has not left the world in darkness. He does not leave his people in darkness. Right? The book of Isaiah, those who dwell in darkness, what is it said that they've seen? A great light. That we believe that Christmas time, Advent season, leading up to Christmas, that the people who have seen a great light isn't just something that happened to the shepherds while they're standing on the mountain seeing the choirs of angels. That the great light 
that they saw is a light that continues to illuminate the entire world. That grace and peace is given to us through faith in and faithfulness to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Countless blessings given to us through that simple phrase, grace to you and peace. Because it means that we can trust, like we heard through all of Advent, that the Lord will return, that he will come in glory to judge the living and the dead, that his kingdom will have no end, and that that light that first shone forth in Bethlehem will soon overtake, illuminate, and renew the world and the entirety of all creation. And so to the light of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ, be our glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundly.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.